Mark 5, verse 25. And a certain woman who had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things from physicians, she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she, was, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I will be made whole. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you be with us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for getting us here safely, God, and what you're doing in this church and about to do as they get ready for the next season of Victory Outreach Harbor Bay. Father, I thank you for the people you're healing and delivering, but also the ones who you're making whole in Jesus' name. Everybody says? You know, it, it's interesting because I'm trying to figure out why the Bible says this woman had an issue of blood? Why did, why, did, why did the writers call it issue? Because if you want to get down to it, she was hemorrhaging. Can I hear an amen? That's the bottom line. Maybe that word didn't exist in that time. I don't know. But I think it might go a little bit deeper than that because it's not so much what the doctoral term or the literal term was for what she was dealing with. I think the the ramifications, I think her, her story of it being an issue, you can apply it in all different types of areas of your life. Are you with me? Because all of us have an issue. Everybody here has issues. Everybody here has something that's draining your life, something that's costing your life, that you just don't, can't seem to get better from. Are you with me? Everybody has an issue. And I said, before, said it before, Victor Outreach, we are issueologists if there's such a word. We are issue specialists. We specialize in issues. And the main thing about an issue is this. It's you. It's called an issue because it's you. It's you. It's you. That's the main thing. It's you. It's you. You're, it's your issue. It's your thing. And, and, and when, you, when you think about this issue, you can, you can categorize it. Because let me tell you this. There's one truth to Scripture but many applications. There's always one truth, one context, one exegetical context, the canon of the Word of God. But there's many applications. So when I'm thinking about this, and I know maybe the writer thought, okay, let's keep it private, what she was really going through. But I don't think it just stopped right there. Because I think even today, this still preaches because you and I turned to drugs, turned to alcohol. It was because of our issues. It's those issues in life. That we looked for help here, we looked for help there, we looked for help in different areas, but couldn't find no help. And the Bible says this issue called the life to be drained out of her. It was depleting her of her, of her vitality. It was depleting her of her strength. And it's the very thing that some of you this morning or today, you have issues. And just as much as you want to be in church, you don't have the strength to go to church. You don't have the strength to do what you used to do. You don't have the strength to, to, to be what you wanted to be. You, you felt the call of God. You, you sensed God was doing something new in your life. But because that issue, it's drained you. It's drained you. It's cost you. It's drained your family. It's drained your marriage. It's drained everything in your life. And, and you can cover it up like this woman with perfume. You can beautify it and put a dress over it. You can put a tie on it. But eventually, that issue is going to flow out. Eventually, that issue is going to come out. Eventually, is, you can try to stop it and stop it and stop it. And like this woman, she went from relationship to relationship, 
eventually you can only hide it for so long. See, because you know what's funny? It's like I was talking about David the other day at my church and that it's funny because when David fought the bear and the lion, nobody knew about it. Nobody, nobody knew about it. And, and, and I, I like to just kind of relate that to, see, drugs and alcohol was our bear and our lion. But what made you turn to drugs and alcohol is your Goliath. Drugs and alcohol was just the scent, and that's why you got delivered so quick. But it was the issue. It's the giant in your life that's going to make you want to go back to what it was you used to do before. It's the Goliath, though. Watch this. It's the Goliath, though, that the one want, that God wants to put you on public display for, especially in this day and age. Why? Because Vic Jarrett is full of folks who've been delivered from drugs or alcohol. But how about the ones who've been delivered from anger? How about the ones who've been delivered from jealousy? How about the ones who've been delivered from unforgiveness or bitterness? That's the ones that God wants to put on front street. We make a big deal about the lion, the bear, the drug, the alcohol, but you're still dealing with that ugly, nasty attitude. You're still dealing with that low self-esteem. You're still struggling with that certain issue of lust or certain issue of violence or certain issue in your life. That's the one that God wants to put you on public display about and to raise you up. Because there's even secular folks who are getting delivered from drugs and alcohol these days. But can they get delivered from lust? Can they get delivered from anger? Can they get delivered from jealousy or perversion or, or something that's deep? That's the one like David. God wants everybody to see you conquer. The drugs and the alcohol, the lion and the bear, that's between you and the Lord. But the one he wants to put you on public display is the one that makes folks turn to those devices. Your rejection issues, your hurt issues, your expectation issues, your loneliness issues, your anger issues, on and on and on and on. Those are your Goliaths. And that's the one that we need more folks to say, See, I'm, I'm sorry, but I've been in this ministry now 26 years, and I'm tired of just hearing folks. And not that I minimize it. Please don't misunderstand me. But I, I, seeing folk come up here and say, you know, I once was a drug addict, or I once was this, and I'm like, yes, that's cool. But I want someone to come up here and say, man, I'm not angry no more. Man, I don't beat my wife no more. Man, I don't have jealousy like I used to. I know how to forgive now. I'm not, I'm not this no more. I'm different now. And so most of the church, because we feel comfortable with that, we talk about that. Need someone to come up here and say, I'm delivered from pornography. <laughs> I'm delivered from anger. I'm delivered from jealousy. I'm delivered. You know what it is? Is you have a lot of healed people, but very few whole people whole lot of healed people in the church, but very few whole. And I noticed in Scripture, and I'm going to take you there, a huge contrast 
between those who were just healed and those who were made whole. There's only two in the New Testament that I can tell you the Bible clearly says was made whole. But there's also huge differences about them. I read an article the other day that said 52% of marriages are end up in divorce. And then it said 67% of second marriages will end up in divorce. And, and 73% of third marriages will end up in divorce. And it was ironic because you would think after we've done this a few times, we would get it better. Anybody with me? We would get this down. No, because it might be a different person. It might be a different mustache. It might be a different dress. It might be a different face. But it's the same old issue that was in that marriage that will be in the second marriage, in the third marriage, unless you let God make you whole, my friend. It's the same old issues. And it's no different from folks in the church. We, my wife and I were just talking to somebody. We were in San Jose, and she was telling us that she had to d divorce her husband because uh, of just crazy, crazy issues. And so what happens is, hence the title, you're selling out your wholeness. You put your wholeness for sale because of these issues. We sell out our wholeness because of these issues. We sell out what God wants to do in our life. I, I, I love the text. I think I might have got ahead of myself in, in, uh, in Psalms where God says, you know, the angels are those who do his work. And it says they hearken to the voice. Uh, they hearken to the voice of the word. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember what text it is, but it's in, it's in Psalms. And I love that because the Bible doesn't say they hearken to the voice of God. It says they hearken to the voice of his word, which means it doesn't matter what voice speaks it, as long as it speaks his word. And, and, and as a matter of fact, the scripture says the angels get their strength from the word spoken, not just God's word. See, that's why if you're going through it today, I can guarantee you ain't quoting scripture. I can guarantee you ain't speaking scripture because right now you're going through it and your angel's like dehydrated. Your angel's in starve mode. He's waiting for you to start speaking scripture so he can get some strength to pick up that sword and fight the devil back. But your angel's so dehydrated, so malnutrition. Why? Because you don't speak the word. You don't preach the word. You got to speak the word over your situation. You got to preach the word over your kids. You've got to speak the word because it what gives your angels strength. You, they, they feed off, it says, the voice of the word. Not the voice of God. And God intentionally did that because it don't matter who speaks it. But it has to be spoken. I'm so tired of these folks. You know, especially they come to home, they don't want to talk to God. I know Jesus can read your mind, but he wants to hear from your lips. They don't want to pray anymore. Nobody wants to pray anymore. And I, there's a time for meditation. I get that. Yes, Jesus went away to, to be with the Lord. Yes, we need to withdraw so he can make a deposit into our life. I, I'm all for that, but you got to talk to God. you got to speak the word. You've got to speak the word of God over your life. If not... You ain't going to change. You're going to be in the church, healed, but you ain't going to be made whole. 
that's why your wife, oh, yeah, she's happy you're in church, but you're the same old person. Well, that's why he's glad you're in the house of God. You're on the worship team singing it, but at home you're the same old person. You don't change. See, you know why folks act a certain way in the house of God? It's not because folks are here. It's the house of God. We're going to go here because it's going to pass this year. The house of God is a greenhouse. Don't you know what a greenhouse is? Don't look at me like that. Some of you might have a medicinal card right now. All right. You know what a greenhouse is. But a greenhouse is an environment that's conducive for growth. The proper amount of sun, the proper temperature, the proper amount of light, everything is there that's conducive for growth. See, and the church is a greenhouse. When you come in, the environment's set, the Son of God is shining in his place, and you feel good. The problem is you don't create a greenhouse in your house. The only greenhouse you experience is on Sunday. And if they're off, and if pastor's off, you go the way you came in. I've learned to have my own greenhouse. I'm growing some good old green bud worship, if I could say that. I'm growing some of that sticky, sticky, that cush, cush, hallelujah, that, 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 you know, that skunky that you can smell it coming out of my house. That PG&E saying, oh, there's a lot of power coming out of that house. Somebody's praying in that house. Somebody got the power on all day and night. Oh, yes, because when I'm asleep, I put the worship music on. And when I wake up, the worship music's on. Somebody's seeking God. Somebody's hearing God. There's power coming out of the house. And what happens? There's growth. That's how it should be said about your house. I kid you not, our neighbors, we have, we have a, a vast of neighbors, but whenever there's a problem, they come to our house. Now watch. Our neighbor, three houses away, her son, my wife and our neighbor found her son committed suicide in the bathtub. 20 years old? 21 years old? 21 years old. Three houses down the other way from her house is another pastor. They didn't go running over there. They didn't go run, They ran over here. And I'm not saying this, but I know what it is. They know where the power's at. They know where the power's at. And, and you know, we, we live in a generation where we got to be careful. I mean, I was at this golf tournament with all pastors. In Sacramento, it's called the Pastors Masters. That's what it's called. Pastor someone's been there. And it was the last time Pastor Danny and I from Vallejo that passed away, we were golfing together. He had actually to leave the tournament because he got sick, and shortly after he passed away. But we're on this one hole, and this one hole, they have a bunch of sponsors. And they had this drink there. Uh, it was called Fuse. You ever had those Fuse drinks, F-U-Z-E? Well, they have one that's called Pina Colada. Oh, my, it's, mm. Non-alcoholic, of course. So I'm drinking it, and I'm with this pastor. I'm with Richard, Pastor Danny, and we get paired up with this other pastor. And we're talking, he says, man, this is a good, he says, you know what, Ed? I like to put some rum in my drink. He said, what do you like to put in your fuse? I said, oh, nothing. I, I, I'm allergic to alcohol. I can't, I can't do that. And so we're walking back to our cart, and he has this puzzled, perplexed look on his face. He just can't get over the fact that I told him I'm allergic to alcohol. He's just like, what? So we get to the cart, and he's, Loading up, he says, wait, 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 before we tee off, you mean if you drink alcohol, you'll break out? I said, heck no. 
If I drink alcohol, I'll break into your house. That's an allergic reaction. I can't go there no more. We can't go there no more. God has delivered us. God has healed us. Amen, somebody. I'll break into your house, Jack. And Pastor Daddy and Richard, they're dying laughing right there. And he's like, oh, yeah, don't drink no alcohol, bro. I don't want you to break into my house. We still got it like that. Amen. So there's a huge difference between those who are healed and those who are made whole. The first one was the woman who touched Jesus. We read that. The second one, and the only other time it's mentioned in the New Testament, is in Luke 17 about 10 lepers. And the Bible says in Luke 17, verse 13, it says, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And so it was that they, they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down at his face, at his, on his face, at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Verse 17 to 19, so Jesus answered, said, we're not the ten cleansed, but where are the nine? We're not the ten any found to return to give God glory except this foreigner. And he said to him, arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. You know, I, could, I, I would beckon to say that this scientific survey still applies today in the house of God. That one out of ten in the church only attains wholeness. The rest are healed, but never whole. I would beckon to say in this modern age that you can, you can bet, bet on that, that one out of ten. There's a book called Finishing Strong that Pastor Steve told me to read years ago. And in that book, the guy says this. He says, one out of every ten persons is only going to fulfill the call of God for their life. One out of ten, he compares Billy Graham when he came up with different people and how he was the one overlooked. And all these other evangelists were the ones everybody was looking to. One ended up in a, a hotel, committed suicide. Another one uh, was drunk himself to death in another hotel. And only Billy Graham made it. Made it. See, here it is. <laughs> Let me give you the differences. Number one is this, we're taking notes. Healed people lift their voice when they're in trouble, but whole people lift their hands when they're in trouble. See, this one came back and worshiped. Everybody else lifted their voice, God save me, God rescue me. And we hear it in the church, folks have no business, no, no, no shame in crying out to God. They're not that so shy at the moment. When they need help, they'll cry out to God. But do you lift your hands when you need to praise God? That's why when I worship, I can't lift my hands high enough. I even will stretch myself on my tiptoes just because I want to just touch God. See, he, here it is, my friend. See, healed people, the difference is this. Healed people, Jesus touched. But whole people, they touched him. Every healed person Jesus touched, but the whole ones touched him. 
The woman said, I just can't just let him touch me. If I'm going to become whole, I have to continue to touch him. And there's folks in this church, you touched them at once, and he touched you, but you stopped touching him. You don't touch him in your worship no more. You don't touch him in your service no more. You don't touch him in your giving no more. That's why you're healed, but you're not whole. You stopped touching him. You stopped Stop touching him in your praise. I've been there. I've been there many a times where I know I need to pray. I just couldn't find the strength or even the want to to do it because my heart wasn't right. I had so much stuff on my mind, was going through so many different things, and it's in those times where I'll just be honest with God and tell God, I don't even feel like being here right now. I know I need to be here, but I know I need to touch you. Psalms 134.2 says, lift your hands in the sanctuary. Psalm 63 verse 4 says, I will praise you as long as I live. I will lift my hands. That's why when you get saved, usually the hardest thing and the last thing to do is to lift your hands in worship. Why? Because it's not just about him touching you. You're touching him now. You're touching him. You're touching him. You're touching him. You're touching him. Mark 12, 10, the man with the withered hand, Jesus told him what? Stretch out your hand. Stretch it out. Listen, don't think the longer you've been saved, your prayer life gets easier. No. It gets harder. You know why? Because if I don't pray for two, three days, I'm not going to go get high. I don't want to do that no more. I'm not going to go get drunk if I don't pray. I can, I can just keep going on. I can make this happen. I, I, I can just keep doing what I'm doing because I have the experience and have the knowledge, but I ain't got the power if I don't pray. I'm not going to backslide right away if I don't pray. That's why it takes a stretching. You've got to stretch yourself. Like Pastor said, faith without works is dead. But it's when he stretched himself, when the hardest thing for him to do, his hand was already withered, when he stretched himself, it was made whole. See, some of you right now, you've been around a while. Let's be honest, you don't feel like stretching yourself no more. I've got some folks in my church been saved 30 years, longer than me. And you know what their excuse is? Well, I did my time already. I did my time in children's church. Let the younger folks do that. And they seem to think that longevity means maturity. Oh, no. There's some people who've been saved a long time that still act like kids in the Lord. There are some folks who've been saved for a long time that have no maturity in Christ. Don't think just because you've been saved a long time that you're mature. Mm -mm. Don't think just because you can preach real good that you're so anointed. No, giftings come. Watch this. Giftings come from impartation. Remember the Apostle Paul said, I want to come to you to impart to you a gift when you get saved. The Holy Spirit comes into your life. There's an impartation. You get giftings. Watch this. But character and anointing and power comes from intimacy. Giftings come from impartation. But character and fruit come from intimacy. Wholeness comes from intimacy. 
And if you're not whole in a certain area, the problem is you stop touching him. See, God loves to play chase. He loves it. As a matter of fact, in Song of Solomon, in referring to, to his lover, he says, this is what he says, and this is, this is not me, I'll show you in Scripture. He says, he said, he said, God peeks through the window at me, my lover. What he's saying is God's a peeping Tom. I know you don't like that, but what, what else is it? That's what he said. He said, it's in Song of Solomon. Read it for yourself. He says, my, my beloved peeks through the window and gazes. That's a peeping Tom. See, a lot of folks don't like the way I preach. I just preach real. It's the truth. But there's a reason why he does it. Because he's in love with you. See, like, when I was a kid, I've always been kind of chubby, okay? I'm still chubby. Shut up. <laughs> Technically, in the chubbiness, I'm still, I'm still chubby. Now, in baseball, I was quick. I wasn't fast. My daughter Anna's fast. I was not fast. I was quick, quick feet. Basketball, quick feet. I was very quick. So, I hated playing tag. I used to hate when we'd be on the playground, everybody's like, let's play tag. Shut up. Who the heck wants to run around and get all sweaty and smelly and stinky and touch each other and get all disease infected and no, I don't want to do that. And, and so, because why? Because me being chubby, me being fast, I was always it. <laughs> I was always the one doing the chasing. And then I tag somebody and get like two. Oh. <laughs> then I catch somebody because I corner them and I tag them and I take take up. Oh. I was always it. So I hated the dumb game. But now that I'm saved, my kids have taught me so much about God. I love to play tag with my kids. And you know why? They'll catch me fast. But see, Eva, I'll get her and I'll tag her and then I'll run from her or walk fast. Amen. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> but it's all a setup. Why? Because the whole thing is, I want to see her chase me now. I want to see her come after daddy. And after she's chased daddy long enough, I'll turn around and go, gotcha, and just hold her and squeeze her and just love on her. Once I know she's chasing me, once I know she wants me, and that's the way God is, my friend. God saved you, said, tag, you're in. Come chase me now. Come chase me now. And you got to stretch yourself. you got to push yourself sometimes. But when you do, he grabs you. He holds you and says, I love you. Don't stop chasing him. That's when you turn religious. Often, when before Eva had uh, Lena, Ruth, and Anna, and they taught me how to celebrate when God blesses another one of my brothers or sisters. Because I had a hard time with that, I'll be honest with you. I had a hard time. And, and when you come into our house, Pastor's been there. We have 
stairs are probably about this wide when you first start and it gets narrow as you go up. And when I would be gone and I would come home, the three would be there waiting for me every time. They would wait right there on the steps. And I never forget as I came home one day and there was Lena and they would line up in order by age. Lena, Ruth, Anna. And I would put my stuff down and I would go and I would start hugging Lena, kissing Lena, tickle her, and she started laughing and getting all silly and just be enjoying it. And then I'd get to Ruthie and I would hug her, get her and kiss her neck and tickle her. And watch this. Before he even touched Anna, before he even got to Anna, she would already be laughing and she would already be like on the ground and she would be like, oh my God, and why? Why? Because she knows her daddy. That if daddy did it for this one, daddy's going to do it for that one. And if daddy did it for this one, I can celebrate already. I can rejoice already because my daddy don't play favorites. If daddy did it for that one, I'm next in line now. That's why if you're single, you should celebrate when someone gets married. You should do the staggy leg for Jesus. You should do the nay-nay, hey, mine's coming, mine's coming, mine's coming. If they got a house, celebrate. If they got a car, celebrate. If they got a race, celebrate. If you don't, you don't know your daddy. your daddy. Anna knew her daddy. That if daddy did it for this one, and this one, before it even comes by faith, she could celebrate. Because her daddy is a good daddy. See, let me show you the greatest picture of church in the Bible. Ezekiel 46. Can you put scripture up there? If you could put it up for me, please. Ezekiel 46, verse 9. To me, this is the greatest picture of what church should be like in all through scripture. I'll wait for him. I'll take a drink as they get it there because I want you to get this. Ezekiel 46. You have it? All right. I'll begin reading. When the people of the Lamb land, come before the Lord at the appointed festivals. Whoever enters by the north gate to worship is to go out by the south gate. And whoever enters by the south gate is to go out by the north gate. Here it is. Watch. No one is to return through the gate by which they entered, but each should go out the opposite gate. What's the point? The point is, if you leave church the same way you came in, you missed it. Ezekiel told the people, when you come to worship, if you leave the same way you came in, something's wrong. If you leave with the same attitude, with the same, same issues with your wife that you had before church, if there's no mercy and forgiveness after church, you missed it. He said when they come to worship, they've got to come in one way, but go out a different way. Why do folks come in and go out the same because you didn't touch him and you're standing there waiting for him to touch you and there are times God knows if I touch you again 
you're going to be dependent on me always doing it this way. I need you in the midst of your hell, in the midst of your pain. Lift those hands, not just your voice. Lift those hands and worship me. See, I tell my church all the time, I don't praise him because I feel him. I feel him because I praise him. See, some of you come, if you don't feel him, if the worship team is off, you ain't doing nothing. You're just sitting there. Lift your hands. I'll give you a peeky. That's about all you're getting from me. Lift your hands. Because you're waiting. He's like, I already touched you. I already delivered you from drugs and alcohol. You chase me now. You touch me now. Or do you just want to keep being healed? And all you guys, your testimony is, I'm healed. That's it. But you're still an ugly, mean person. We do more damage to the world. Haven't you noticed drugs and alcohol testimonies don't impress people like they used to? Because they're looking for the deeper issues. They're looking for the deeper, the giants. They want to know how do I deal with a husband that has this issue or my son? How do I deal with depression? How do I deal with these things? They're not tripping off that. I'm not saying we're not relevant because those, that's how we get in to deal with the issues. But they're not impressed by that stuff no more. They want to know, tell me how you forgave your mom that abused you. Tell me how you forgave the person that molested you. Tell me how you don't have those issues no more. How did you get over it? I keep touching the word. I keep touching the word. Jesus is the word. That's what he, the Bible says. It says the three bear witness, the Father, Son, I mean the Father, the Spirit, and the Word, not the Son. He was the Word in heaven. John 1, 1, the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, was God. He's the Word. So that's why if you can't, again, if you just keep reading the Bible as a story, all you're going to have is dead religion. But unless you read it as a person, that the person of God is talking to me right now, that's when change. I say this with all humility. I could teach in Bible colleges right now. The stuff that I preach people, they don't get in Bible college. Well, they get the exegesis and, you know, the Torah and the Pentateuch and everything else. They get all the, and it's great, and I'm all for that. But why? Because I'm telling you, in 26 years, I have to keep touching him. Otherwise, all two will be a relic. It's just somebody over here that's not using drugs or alcohol no more, but the same person on the inside. Number two, quickly, healed people are quick to run the man, but they're slow to run to Jesus. So you can tell they're in the church. Listen, we're not 911 counselors. I have to tell my church, I'm not a 911 crisis counselor. And, and the only time you want help is when it's 911. But you don't come to the marriage class during the week. You don't, you don't come prior to that to hang out and fellowship. I'm not a 911 crisis counselor. That's not what I do. I'm a shepherd, and I'm going to use the word to teach you. And if you don't want to hear the word, then you shouldn't come to me for counseling. You should go to some professional and pay them 100 bucks an hour to listen to you. Because, see, there's folks, you're, you're so quick to run to people with your problems. 
And the last person you run to is Jesus. You're looking for this, oh, they didn't answer my call. Don't you realize that, that stuff happens sometimes intentionally because you need to run to God? I had to finally tell this one couple one time, I won't meet with you no more. Why? Because after two years, you're still the same. Do what I told you to do two years ago, then we can meet. Don't waste my time. Don't waste my time. If you're not going to change, don't waste my time. If you're not going to do what I told you to do two years ago, you're just wasting my time. Well, it's quiet in this church right now. See, Luke 17, 14, watch this. When Jesus said, go show yourself to the priests, how quick they were, watch, to run to man, but only one came back to Jesus. Because that's the heal people's mentality. I gotta find someone, I gotta find someone to talk to, I gotta find someone. And I'm not saying that's that we need to have be love. Yes, we do. But some of you base it too much off man. And if you don't like what this one tells you, you go to that one to, for that information. And you go to this one, I had to start training my ministers. When you talk to somebody, you need to ask them, who have they been talking to prior to you? Oh, I was talking to minister so-and-so. Okay, and you need to tell them, what did they tell you to do? They told me to do this, then do that. Because they'll start going, well, Pastor Manuel Lana said this, and Pastor Dale and, and Gloria said this, and they'll just keep going and going back and forth, back and forth, over here, same drama, same child, same people, same issues. Really, you need to just run to Jesus. We can't heal your marriage. Only he can. Because whole people look for man's wisdom. I mean, heal people look for man's wisdom, but whole people look for the wisdom of God. They look for the wisdom of God. Whole people keep looking for man's wisdom. And I, and I understand the, the folks that we deal with because most of us didn't have proper upbringings. It came from dysfunctionalism. So we, we look now, we get saved, and we find health, and we find healthy in the church. But you just can't base everything off of man's words. Even Jesus said, where are the nine? Where are the nine? And then he says specifically, this Samaritan's the only one to come back. What is he saying? The rest were children of Israel who already knew about God, had a knowledge of God, but were the least ungrateful. I find that in the church so much. The ones who should be the most grateful often are not. I have a guy seeing God do a miracle. He was going to get 30 years in prison. And because the church prayed and fast, he got committed to the men's home. He ain't nowhere else now. And you would think he would be the most grateful. You'd they think they'd be the one at the altar serving God. They're leading the way, leading people to Jesus. No. Because the next point is this. Healed people use their healing for themselves. But whole people use their wholeness to glorify God. See the nine? They said, thank you, Jesus. Late. Got to go to work. Thank you, Jesus. Got to go. Now I can go kick my family now because I'm not an outcast no more. I can go in their house now. I'm clean. I can go to church again. I can go do this. I get my life back. See, that's the mentality of healed people. I get my life back. But whole people say, no, I get to give my life back because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have this. I get to serve. I get to be an usher. I get to do this again. I get to pray. I get to go to church. That's the difference. Whole people can't help 
want to need others to touch him. See, you know, where am I at? I got to look this up. We call the scripture the Bible. But really, and the Bible means Holy Script. It means holy text. You look it up for yourself, Webster. But really, that's not what it's called. Watch. It's called the Old Testament and the New Testament. What is a testament? There it is. It's a will. When someone dies, they go to a judge who reads that person's last will and see, so we make the Bible a holy book, a religious book, a book of laws. And that's not what it is. It's a book that tells me my inheritance. That's why Jesus got so mad at Peter. Watch this. Watch. Because when Jesus told Peter, I got to go die, he said, heck no. And he said, get behind me, Satan, for you have the mind of man, not the mind of God. Why would Jesus tell him that? Because a will and testament is no good unless the person dies. I can't get to you what I got to get to you if I'm still alive on this earth. I can't get to you what I'm supposed to get to you. As long as I'm still alive, this thing ain't activated. I can't get you what's coming to you. You have to die. Because it only makes this now a legal document. Watch. Not just for everybody, <laughs> but only whose name is written in the book. Watch. And what you're doing right now coming to church, I'm reading you <laughs> what's yours in the Testament. So every time you come to church, you're hearing what's coming to you. My papa got something for me. My daddy's got something for me. Yeah, and I'm healed. It makes me part of the family now, but he wants me whole. How do I get whole? I have to keep hearing the testament read over and over and over and over. Why? Because Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19 says this. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Watch. Then in Corinthians it says, No, I see no ears heard the things which God prepared for those who love me. Why did God say thing and things? Simple. We make it so difficult. When I'm going to get away with my wife, and sometimes it's last minute, I said, Babe, I'm going to take you out. We're going to go. I want you to get your things together because I'm going to come pick you up. She says, Okay. 
Why do I say things? Because I ain't got time to mention everything that she needs to bring. And when God says, behold, no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things, I ain't got time to get into detail to tell you all the things I have prepared for you. You just have to trust me. You just got to be in the room and hear the reading of the Testament every Sunday, every Wednesday at Bible study, because the more you hear it, the more you're going to know what's yours. So you're claiming your healing. Oh, yeah. But why can't you be healed from Can't you be healed from malice, from rage, from jealousy, from all these things? And yet, we just stop at drugs and alcohol. We have a church full of sons and daughters, as people throw things, who every Sunday are in the the reading of his last will and testament, but leave not taking what's theirs. So Ezekiel 46 says, you came in and you go out the same way. You're supposed to go out a different way. Stand to your feet. Lift those hands. I know you're going through hell. I know you don't feel like it. You pray, say, I don't even have the strength anymore. You gotta stretch. You got to stretch. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. The hardest thing for me as a man of God, not as a pastor, as a son, is to continue after 26 years to keep the fire to still want to touch him and and the willingness to still stretch myself to touch him but I know me oh you gotta work out your own salvation if I stop touching him I know what's next I know what's gonna come out of me I know what's gonna drain me and my marriage and my family I know I know I know the only way I'm gonna be made whole is I gotta continue to touch him. As we sing this song, the altars are open. Humble yourself.